0: If you have your Bible this morning for a moment or two, we're turning to the third chapter of Timothy, 1 Timothy and chapter 3, please. 1 Timothy and chapter 3, and whenever you find a place, just leave uh, your Bible open, uh, open there uh, this morning because we will be uh, looking at this uh, passage of the Word of God just in a moment, in a moment's time. 1 Timothy chapter 3, please, and then just leave your Bible open there. Uh, whenever you find the place. Whenever I got saved back in 2010, and just shortly after that, there was a dear brother in the Lord told me not only to get my Bible, but he told me to get what they call a concordance. And I don't know if you have a concordance or not, but if you don't have one, you should get one because it's a wonderful tool in studying the Word of God. In those early years of being saved, I used to just go down into the room where I lived with my mother and father, and I used to study themes of the Bible. Some days I would study all of the valleys in the Bible. Maybe the next day I would use the concordance to lift out the mountains of the Bible. Sometimes it would be the wells, or the doors, or the widows, or the battles, or the burdens. One of the most memorable studies that I did back in those early years was the study of the 316 verses of the Bible. And I haven't got time this morning to go through them with you, but it would do your heart good even in the week that lies ahead is just to go through the 316 texts of the Bible. We all know the 316 text of salvation. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3 and 16. And then there's Luke 3.16. It's the 3.16 of purification. Because whenever John the Baptist was there at the banks of the river Jordan, he said, There is one that cometh after me which is mightier than I the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And way back in the end of the Old Testament, that says concerning the Lord Jesus that he will come as the refiner's fire and as the purifier of silver. Then there's the 3.16 of possession. Whenever Paul was writing to the young believers at Corinth, He said in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and His Spirit dwelleth in you. And on and on we could go this morning. is the 3.16 of inspiration. Whenever Paul was writing to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction and instruction in righteousness. The last book of the Old Testament is a book called Malachi. And Malachi also has a 316 text. Because Malachi, he said those wonderful words, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And you know, whenever I was writing that down the other morning, I remember our dear brother Norman Painter whenever we used to be in the prayer meetings together, he often used to quote Malachi 3 and 16. And he used to walk around the prayer meeting, and this is what he used to say, They that feared the Lord spake often one to another. They didn't talk about one another. They talked to one another. And then he goes on and he says this, And the Lord hearkened, and he heard it. And the book of remembrance was written before him, Of them that feared the Lord and thought upon His name. That's the 3.16 of meditation. And you can do your homework and go through the rest of them during the week. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, we've got another one. And this is the 3.16 of manifestation. Look at it for a moment. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness... God was manifest in the flesh. Now I just want to be short this morning and simple. And I want you to come with me and use your mind because many times from Genesis right to Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, God revealed and manifest Himself in many ways. He manifested times His power. He manifested times His provision. When he brought the children of Israel through the wilderness and even for those 40 years when they were living in unbelief, he still gave them the water from the rock, the manna from heaven, and the quail to feed them every day. There was the fire by night and the cloud by day. And there's times when God manifests different aspects of who he was right throughout the Old Testament. But whenever we come into the New And at this time of the year, probably more than any other time, we get our eyes upon the manger. And you know, my dear people, God manifests himself in a way in which he had never done before. This word manifest here in the Greek is the word phanero. It's the word to bring out into the open. It's the word to set in clear view. It's the word to suddenly appear. There's one other time that this word is used for you and I. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it says this, We shall all phanero before the judgment seat of Christ. The word is we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This word phanero here, it also means to bring into view what was previously out of view. It was always there, but now it comes into full view. Do you know, my dear men and women, this morning, whenever you and I think of the incarnation, and whenever you and I think of the little baby there born in Bethlehem's manger, we all know very well that wasn't the beginning of his life, because he was the eternal son of, with the eternal Father away before the hills and order stood. There the Lord Jesus was ever the darling of his father's bosom. He's the son that was given and he is the child that was born. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. There's something that has struck me in recent days just meditating about the, the, the manger the Incarnation. So often we see the little babe there, maybe depicted upon the postcards. But you know, nine months before the manger, nine months way back before Mary and Joseph came down into Bethlehem, it was nine months before that when the Holy Ghost came upon Mary and there was conception in her womb. And to think of that this morning, The one who made all things and upholds all things and sustains all things and knows all things. In Isaiah chapter 6, we get a little glimpse there of his majesty and his beauty. Whenever Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, to think that that very one would step and stoop, not just down into a manger in Bethlehem, But nine months before that, he stepped from the splendors of heaven and came down into the darkness of the virgin's womb. Think of that. The one who was the Father's daily delight. The one that the angels continually cried, Holy, holy, holy. There came a moment whenever the Holy Ghost came upon Mary and that Holy One that was born of her was called the Son of God. He was the image of the invisible God. In Philippians chapter 2, we read this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't see it something to be grasped at. The devil wanted to grasp it, but he couldn't get it. But the Lord Jesus, the eternal Son, my the one who was co-eternal and co-equal with the Father. The Bible says there, He made Himself. And you see it in this morning and you look even at the stars, maybe tonight or the moon, and all of those wonderful stars and planets are there. He made every one of them. He made Everest. He made all of the great spectacles that you and I see around the world but wonder of all wonders that he made himself of no reputation. And there he comes down into the virgin's womb. In John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 13, we read this. He came down. He came down. That word is the word to come from a place of high position. To come down, not just to a lower position, but to the lowest position. My, he left the splendors of heaven. I would love to have seen that moment whenever there on the throne of heaven, my, he stepped down. And he stepped down not only to a lower place, but to the lowest place. And he came down into the virgin's womb. You know, he not only was born in the lowest place, he lived in the lowest place. Nazareth was the sin capital of Judea. It was despised. He not only had the lowest birth, he not only lived in the lowest place. I think we would all have to agree this morning on aspects of the world, he died the lowest death, to be nailed to a cross, to think that the Lord of glory, my, whenever Mary whenever that little babe was born and she, she held the baby Lord Jesus God manifest in the flesh. Oh, I tell you, whenever she gazed upon him and she looked into his eyes and she examined his little features, oh, how she could have said, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest In the flesh. Look at verse 16 again. It says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in or by the Spirit. Do you see that word justified there? It's the word to be vindicated. It's the word to be approved. And I was thinking even of my own life. You know, there's many times when the Holy Ghost has to reprove us. He has to reprove us at times with our thoughts. He has to reprove us with the the actions that we we, we take and the, the things that we do and the words that we use. There's times whenever we say something and suddenly the Holy Spirit, He reproves us. But He never had to do that with the Lord. He could only do one thing with Him and that was approve Him, vindicate Him. Whenever he came up out of the waters of the Jordan, my, the heavens opened. And John said, I saw the Spirit descending and resting upon him like a dove. And I want to ask you a little question this morning just before we close. Is there anything in your life or my life this morning that God the Holy Spirit doesn't approve of? You see, every word that left the Lord's lips, every step that he took, every thought that penetrated his mind, God the Holy Spirit stamped his approval upon. It says in Acts chapter 2 that he was a man approved of God. You know, way back in the end of the book of Romans, there's a man that is only mentioned once in all of the New Testament. His name is a name, Apellas. You don't read a big paragraph about Apollos, You don't read many things about what he did. But the Holy Ghost just says of Apollos that he was approved. And you know that ought to examine all of our hearts this morning as we would look at our conduct, as we would look at our character, as we would look at how we treat one another, as how we look at how we would treat our families. Can God the Holy Spirit put his stamp of approval upon everything that you and I, we do? You see that little word manifest there? That's who was manifest. God. God was manifest. And my dear people, I would love to try and get that into your mind this morning. The one who knew no limitation. The one who knew no restriction. The one who was there from beginning to end. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. He humbled himself and he came down. He came down. He manifest himself. But we not only discover who was manifest, we're going to see why was he manifest. And there's three reasons why the Lord Jesus Christ, God, was manifest in the flesh. And I haven't got time to go through them all with you this morning, but I'll just fire them out to you. You know those lovely verses in First Peter? And often we quote them round the table. Maybe there'll be some brother will rise to his feet and maybe with tears in his eyes and emotion in his voice, he, say, he will say something like this from the first letter of Peter. For ye know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver nor gold, with the, uh, from the vain conversation received, from the tradition of our fathers, but with the precious blood, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then Peter goes on and he says this, Who was before ordained and was manifest in these last times for you, just for you. Now I just want you to think of that this morning in the bustle of Christmas and all that the world would seek to lay upon us. To think that God was manifest not just for the world and thank God that He was but for you, just for you. You remember whenever the angel was speaking to the shepherds in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, the angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And my dear unsaved this morning, God was manifest in the flesh for you, just for you. And my dear believer, this morning that's in the trial and in the storm and in the midst of the affliction, thank God that He left the splendors of heaven for you, dear. Just for you. God was manifest in the flesh for you. He humbled Himself and came down and down and down. He was manifest for souls. And then Peter and John goes on again, and you'll get it even in the Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says this, But now once in the end of the age hath he appeared. The same word as the word phenero, It's the word manifest. He was manifest to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's why he came down. My, to think of that this morning. To think, my, that the Son of God came down. Not just for your soul, but for your sin. He was manifest and he appeared. He was finero to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And whenever the Lord Jesus left the throne room of heaven and came down nine months before the manger into the darkness of the, the matrix of the virgin's womb, he knew that he not only was coming for you and for me, but he knew that he was coming for your sin and for mine. He appeared, phenero. He came into full view to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's what John said in 1 John chapter 3. He was manifest to take away our sin. Lastly, he not only was manifest for souls, and not only was he manifest because of sins, he was manifest because of Satan. In 1 John chapter 3 we read there, For this cause was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And I can tell you, my dear people, this morning, if Christmas means anything, and if the the virgin birth and the manger means anything, and if the cross means anything, it means victory this morning whenever the Lord Jesus came down for you and for your sin. He came not only for that, but He came to destroy the one that was seeking to destroy your life and mine. He was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy there is the word leo. That's an easy word to remember. Leo. That word leo there is the word to release. That's why he came. He came to set the captive free. It's the same word that whenever the Lord Jesus went down into Bethany... And he found two women there that were mourning and they had broken hearts. And maybe there's a woman here this morning and you have a broken heart. And they were weeping and they were crying and the Lord Jesus went down into Bethany and my Mary and Martha, they had a broken heart. The one that they loved was no longer there. And the Lord Jesus went down to the graveside and he told them to roll away the stone. And with all of his majestic authority and power, he, he, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus started to shuffle towards the mouth of the cave and he came with his hands bound, bound hand and foot. And then the Lord said, Leo, let him go. Release him. Set him free. It was the word that was used whenever a slave was bought out of a slave market and his master would get down and take the key and open the shackles that were around the feet and the prisoner would cry, Lou, the chains have been snapped. I've been released. It was the word that was used whenever the Lord Jesus told him to go and unloose the colt. It's the word that Peter uses to melt and to dissolve to destroy the works of the devil. And my dear men and women, that's why every Sunday we remember the cross. That's why we come around this table and we take the bread and we take the wine. You know what we're remembering? We're remembering the one that was manifest for our souls. We're remembering the one that was manifest for our sins. And he was the one that was manifest to destroy the works of the devil over our life. Lou. Lou, I tell you, my dear people, he come to destroy the works of the devil. You know, with this a close, that's the past manifestation. Great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest. That's not the last manifestation. I tell you, there's coming a day, and there's four times in the New Testament where you get the word phonero, the word manifest from 1 Timothy 3 and 16. Four times in the New Testament, it's translated the word appear. And every time it's to do with the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in the clouds. You see, it was a wonderful thing that he came to the crib. It was a wonderful thing for 30 years. He worked in the carpenter's shop. It was a wonderful thing. And I tell you the greatest thing whenever he went there to the cross. But oh, thank God there's coming a day and it may be even the day where he's coming to the clouds. Coming to the clouds. Finero. To appear every time that word four times is translated the word appear. It all refers to the coming of the Lord Jesus for you and I. Let me fire them out to you. Colossians three and four. When Christ who is our life shall appear phonero, then shall we appear with him in glory. First Peter five and four. And when the chief shepherd shall phenero manifest himself, appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Oh, my dear people, thank God, there's another manifestation coming. 1 First First John 3 and 2, Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall finero, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. The last one is in first John two and verse twenty eight. Now little children, abide in him that when he shall appear Penero, we may have confidence at his coming and not be ashamed before him. I wasn't there at the manger. I wasn't there the day whenever Mary brought forth the Son of God from darkness into this world. I wasn't there whenever he walked the shoreline of Galilee. I wasn't there when he raised the dead or fed the multitude or gave sight to the blind. Stephen Riddle wasn't there that day that he climbed the lowly hill of Mount Calvary. I wasn't there when they put the nails in his hands. I wasn't there when they put the crown of thorns upon his blessed brow. I wasn't there when they stripped him. I wasn't there when he went down into the depths when there was no standing. I wasn't there. I wasn't there when he came up out of the grave. I wasn't there. But I will be here. I will be here. My, one day, someday, maybe even today, to take us out of this old world of sin, the sorrow's gone, the tears gone. The broken heart to be gone. <laughs> my, the battles to be gone. The sicknesses and the sore heads and the hearing aids and the, uh, and the stints and the walking sticks all to be gone. Oh, my dear people, you know what I'm looking for? I'm not looking for much Christmas presents under three. I'm looking for my blessed Savior to, Fenero, appear. <laughs> And take me out of this old scene of time. And some of you here, there's loved ones have gone before and you'll see them. I tell you, and we shall be with him and we shall be like him for we shall see him. I'm looking forward today. i have see him. I've sang about him. I've talked about him. But oh, I tell you, we'll be able to say when we see him, Lord, the half has not been told. You know, Elizabeth will not mind me saying this as we close this morning. But whenever the news came to me of our dear brother Clarence who went into the presence of the Lord, I was out for a walk along the wee crummy road and I received a text message in my phone, Clarence has gone to glory. I remember just getting down on my knees in the middle of the road. And said, Lord, (laughs) he's beat us to it, Lord. He sang about him. He preached about him. Oh, he talked to others about him. But now he's seen him. I tell you, my dear people, this old world is not our home. We're only passing through. And whenever you see a little picture of the baby Lord Jesus in the manger, my dear people, always remember this that he was manifest for you and for your sin. And because of the devil that wanted to destroy your life, he was manifest to Leo. Remember that word, Leo. Leo, to destroy, dissolve, to release, to set you free from the works of the devil. I'm glad that I'm saved. Thank God for the cross this morning. Thank God for the precious blood. Thank God for the one that died for you and me. My dear people, we are despised by the world. But to think that God loved you, dear. God loved you, sir. He sent the darling of his bosom to die just for you, but he's coming again. Finero, he's coming back. We're going to stand to our feet and we're going to sing out of the chorus book. 273, 273. You're the word of God the Father from before the world began. Every star and every planet has been fashioned by your hand. All creation holds together by the power of your voice. Let the skies declare your glory. Let the land and seas rejoice. Would you not stay with us this morning if you're saved? And remember, remember why he came. Remember the one that went through the Calvary's cross, shed his precious blood, to take away your sin, to destroy the works of the devil. And if you're saved this morning, put the dinner off for half an hour and just remember the Lord and let us stand to our feet and sing. And then those that must go can make their way out. And those that are going to stay and remember the Lord, let us come with praise and worship and adoration in our heart for everything that the Lord has done for you and I, even today.